Thanks for downloading this History Hub podcast. History Hub is based at the University College Dublin School of History. For more information, go to historyhub.ie. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and many other podcasting apps. If you enjoy our content, please rate and review our channel, as it helps others to find out about our work. Professor Nadav Davidovich is an epidemiologist and public health physician. He is chair of the Department of Health Systems Management at Ben-Gurion University of the Negev in Israel. His areas of expertise include health policy, public health, health promotion, and the history of medicine. Professor Davidovich recently visited University College Dublin School of History as part of the EU's Erasmus Plus program, where he was based in the Centre for the History of Medicine in Ireland. During his visit, he recorded three podcasts for History Hub. In this second episode, Professor Davidovich discusses vaccination and body politics. Today, I want to continue my previous talk on vaccination and discuss the issue of vaccination and the body. I want especially to focus on the social history of vaccination policy and practices during the period of mass immigration to Israel. So between 1948 and 1956, the newly established country with a population of only about 700,000 people face a formidable task of absorbing over 1 million new immigrants. Following a short overview of health and immigration policies during the first years of the newly established Israeli state, I will focus on vaccination policy as a case study to demonstrate the reciprocal relationships between the health system, the various health agents and immigrants, and particularly the immigrant's body as an entity that the state seeks to supervise and define. This will be part of my larger investigation, how on one hand vaccination are considered as a paradigm of success, but on the same time, since their introduction, they've encountered fierce criticism and paralleled opposition. And one of these oppositions was mainly from immigrants and other marginalized groups. So although the Israeli vaccination program for immigrants was generally described by its designers as unproblematic, a necessary step in transforming immigrants into members of modern civilization, deeper research reveals that on many occasions vaccination policy indeed encountered difficulties. Vaccination is part of a broader system of regulations that govern the care of infants, hygiene, and health, constitute one example of the way countries supervise the bodies of their citizens. Indeed, recently there has been growing recognition of the research potential embodied in historical research to survey opposition to vaccination, especially its ability to serve as a vehicle for gaining better understanding of the politics of the body and its relation to the modern state. The use of state authority and power in implementing public health measures is all the more amplified when it is applied to marginalized populations, often consisting of ethnic minorities and migrants. So immediately after its founding, the state of Israel faced a tremendous challenge of mass immigration. Within few short years, the Jewish population of the state had to absorb hundreds of thousands of immigrants, many of them ill with diseases that required immediate hospitalization. Despite the fact that Zionist ideology viewed the new state as the homeland 
of the Jewish people and championed the ingathering of exiles, in practice, many apprehensions were voiced that mass immigration will lead to loss of control over the character of the Zionist endeavor. It was often said that the human materials, it was called then, including Holocaust survivors and immigrants from Arab countries, were problematic. It was questioned whether the immigrants would be able to withstand the burden of building a new nation without turning into a burden themselves. The health system constitutes a key component in immigrant absorption and the melting pot policy that was implemented. Various health officials called for building a preventive medicine scheme and health education network going much beyond immediate treatment of various diseases. Soon a complex system of welfare workers, nurses and doctors worked together striving not only to heal immigrants but also to educate them in the host of areas from infant care to matters of personal hygiene. These systems, of course, did not arise in a vacuum. The programs drew on wellsprings of American and European influences, but also arose, at least in part, from the Zionist establishment conception of creating a new man. This project was similar in many ways to projects carried out in Europe and the United States at the time, and eugenic influences are apparent. The eugenic outlook intertwined with colonialist practices that presented the white European body as the right model. The Zionist movement, starting at the turn of the 20th century, with its European foundations and aspiration to forge a new Jew, fitted in well with this approach. Public health policies toward immigrants in Israel were founded on a similar belief in public health practices as a vehicle for molding a person healthy in body and soul, deemed an important goal not only on the level of health of the individual, but also on the level of the nation as a whole. The Zionist movement, with its European foundation and aspirations to forge a new Jew, fitted in well with this approach. Public health policy towards immigrants in Israel was founded on a similar belief in public health practices as a vehicle for modeling a person healthy in body and soul, deemed an important goal not only on the level of the health of the individual, but also on the level of the nation as a whole. While good intention brought about a significant improvement in health indices, such as infant and maternal mortality or infectious diseases incidents, they also carried with them a complex social cost. Immigrants, even before the establishment of the Israeli state, were already processed in camps in their places of origin before leaving, going to the land of Israel. The objectives of the camps were, among other things, to carry out medical classification. The medical and epidemiological information gathered was supposed to enable the medical establishment in Israel to anticipate medical problems. Yet, despite the fact that immigrants were gathered in temporary processing camps prior to their arrival, many times opportunity for medical checkups was often not realized. The immigrants themselves did not view this medical examination in a positive light. Some Holocaust survivors sought to avoid medical examinations, which triggered memories of medical selections in the concentration camps. No small number of immigrants tried to escape this medical examination, even sending others to be examined in their stead out of fear that the immigration would be delayed should some medical problems be discovered. 
These gaps in medical screening resulted in the adoption of a policy by which additional medical inspection were carried out in the gate of immigration processing camp upon arrival in Israel. This camp was established in 1949 on the foundation of an old British army camp, and during its first year of existence, about half a million newcomers underwent medical examination. Within several days, every immigrant underwent physical checkup, including by a dermatologist, ophthalmologist, also for sexually transmitted diseases. And one can only imagine the sense of anxiety, the overcrowding and others' condition in the camp. Occasionally, the tension and anger spilled over into violent outbursts toward the staff, forcing physicians to walk under police protection. And this was the climate in which mass vaccinations against various diseases was carried out. The immigrants' camp established abroad offered the first opportunity to engage in public health work, including vaccination. Yet according to letters and reports sent by camp physicians, many times there was shortage of vaccines and various logistical problems resulted from distance of camps from supplies, as well as inability at times to transport vaccines under suitable conditions, All these difficulties delayed full implementation of the vaccine program as planned. The legal status of vaccination was also problematic. There was no legal basis for forcing immigrants to agree to be vaccinated. In Israel, only smallpox vaccinations were required by law, a practice going back to mandate times. Other vaccinations, for instance, against typhoid and TB, were not obligatory, Yet, one may assume that all vaccinations were presented to immigrants as equally important. Although smallpox vaccinations were given to all inhabitants, newcomers and veterans, scrutiny of contemporary records indicate that most concern focused on administration of vaccination, achieving high level of coverage among immigrants. The immigrants ideally were to be vaccinated during in the transit camp prior to embarkation for Israel, But as I said before, in many cases, vaccinations were carried out only on ships bound for Israel. And many times, due to loss of records or shortage of vaccine, it took place only during arrival. Public health officials encountered grave difficulties in implementing preventing health policies, including vaccination. Despite the fact that vaccination was supposed to be documented, registration cards And in clinic logs, in practice, records were not only accurate, and sometimes documents were lost, leading to needless revaccination. The motif that there was no sense in explaining to newcomers the meaning of various medical procedures due to their mental and spiritual limitations was repeated time and again by medical staff of the period. The logic behind this perception was that the medical personnel, whether doctors or nurses or any other public health professional could make decisions on health issues in light of the preferential knowledge they held. Of course, this knowledge was strongly anchored in a hegemonic perception about the ways in which the immigrant's body should be made healthy and integrated into the body politic of the new state. But this perception did not always sit well with the perception on the body, health and illness of those being absorbed and resulted in tensions and clashes. In response to the official public health policy, immigrants developed their own public health perceptions. It did not necessarily mean automatic rejections or resistance. Actually, most of the time, immigrants did comply and accepted public health measures with the belief that these practices would improve their health or will lead to a quicker assimilation to Israeli society. 
Yet from time to time, public health practices provoked strong resistance. Mass vaccination or treatment for malaria, ringworm, and other preventive medicine measures could trigger opposition and contempt. My main point is that I want to call these resistance as micro-resistance. Many times these events were unremarkable. They took place in a gray and harsh daily regime or routine that is difficult to reconstruct. This micro-resistance that had surfaced mostly on a local level pointed to the interaction and conflicts between public health personnel and immigrants. The newcomers had their space, small and problematic sometimes, to maneuver and negotiate. Of course, not all immigrants reacted in the same manner, and they cannot be regarded as a monolithic entity. Similarly, the agents operating in the public health realm emanated from various professions and traditions, such as physicians, nurses, social workers, and so on, many times immigrants themselves. Yet a common feature of the negotiation between immigrants and healthcare workers was that it involved practices inflicted on the body. It is useful to consider the practice of vaccinating children as part of a larger conflict over perception of health and illness, care of children and the intrusion of the state into the private sphere, where the practice of vaccination was, in the final analysis, a struggle over the body of the child played out through injection of vaccine into the bodies of the young. In the wider context, it is easier to understand the testimony of Phyllis Palgi, the first anthropologist to work with the Israeli Ministry of Health, who related how in a visit she conducted together with public health nurses in one of the new settlements made of immigrants from the Atlas Mountains of Morocco, the immigrants threw stones at nurses who had come to vaccinate their children. Rumor held that the nurses had come to put tainted blood in the bodies of their children. Rumors about inoculating with contaminated blood and abuse of medical power against marginalized population was not confined to health issues in the 1950s. In various anthropological and historical studies, we see that immigrant population in other countries such as Australia, Canada, United States, witness a spread of similar rumors, a phenomenon labeled as medical gossip. Medical gossip among immigrants groups can serve a number of objectives. In the short term, such rumors create conflicts with the local health system. In the long run, through various cultural facilitators who come in contact with immigrant population on one hand and medical system on the other, the system internalizes criticism and attempt to improve communication between staff and immigrants. Thus, such tension can ultimately lead to better understanding. However, it is important to keep in mind that the tension reflects power relationship and attempts by the state to model the bodies of immigrants. And many times, as mentioned, the struggle is carried out vis-a-vis control over bodies of children. The children as a core axis in Zionist perception of the rebirth of the Hebrew nation in its homeland were viewed very differently by the new immigrants and the medical establishment. It is easy to imagine that the high incidence of illness and death only amplified parents' sense of need to protect their children in every possible way. Often, medical establishment was perceived as a supportive and beneficial agency, but reciprocal relations were very complex and immigrants did not play a solely passive role in it. Thus, for instance, simplistic descriptions found in many historiographic accounts of the period such at the beginning the parents were opposed to concentration of sick children in separate camps 
but in short order, they were agreeable to such a move, as a quote found in one of the accounts, that tries to explain why children were transferred for care does not grapple with the complexity of the subject and neatly removes immigrants as key protagonists. So to conclude, I do not intend to claim that mass immigration at the early days of Israel there was a phenomenon of wide-scale or organized resistance of vaccination among immigrants. It appeared that in the end, most of immigrants were vaccinated, just as the overwhelming majority of immigrants accepted other forms of medical interventions. But from reading primary and secondary source materials relating to the years of mass immigration and following many in-depth interviews we did, we can reconstruct many cases of opposition that cannot simply be pushed aside. Vaccination, and particularly the vaccination of children who were primarily targets of immunization program, demonstrate the way in which the hegemonic machinery of the state was used against immigrants and how immigrants responded and also sometimes opposed these initiatives. In terms of understanding the relationship between state, public health personnel, and the population, it is important to acknowledge that over a long period, the issue of vaccination was considered an important component of many colonial systems, leading to the development of global public health in our days. So even today, despite often good intentions, local populations frequently identify the vaccination policy with repressive regimes, especially in marginalized population. In addition, the very idea of introducing a disease-causing agent into the body of healthy child was perceived or can perceive at times to be illogical and dangerous. All these aspects must be taken into consideration, and I think that this is one of the cases where we can learn from history of medicine and public health that even in our days when planning global health vaccination policies, this should take into consideration and understanding that vaccination can be also part of questions of body politics.